You're listening to audio from Shandon Baptist Church. If you'd like to check out more resources from us, please visit our website at shandon.org. Shandon, how are we? Okay, that's all right. Hey, I am, uh, I, so I'll introduce my family real quick. I think we have a picture, just so I, I want you to know. Uh, I'm okay with noise, and the, you can talk back and do that, because my life is filled with four kids' chaos, right? I have four kids, 11 and younger. Uh, we have Paxton, we have Tripp, we have Rhett, and then we have the, the little lady that runs my wife Libby and I's house. Uh, her name is Henley, and she's never done anything wrong in her entire life. Uh, and so that's our family. I want you to know that they love and appreciate you. And I just wanted to show that picture this morning. Actually, my wife and I uh, were engaged on this day many, many, many years ago. I won't date myself, but many years ago. And so uh, we appreciate uh, Shandon Baptist Church. I'll also say this. I don't know that there's a greater appreciation that I have for any church than for Shandon. And don't get me wrong, this is not coming up here and just this is the canned thing to say. Uh, we have had countless teams, many of you that have come out to Denver and help us make an impact in the city of Denver. I get texts all the time from people that are here letting me know that they are praying for my family and I, for our church journey point. You guys mean the utmost to us. David Taylor and George Wright and the entire Shannon crew and Billy Judge and the college ministry here. In fact, we were talking about mission trips. We have 21 college kids coming in a couple of weeks are coming out to Denver. Yeah, come on. Give yourself a hand for that. We also have some of your very own are going to be doing Gen Send with us this summer. And so when I say that I have a respect for Shannon Baptist Church, I just want you to know that it really is genuinely from the bottom of my heart. Uh, this morning, I want to also say hello to you from some brothers and sisters in Christ in Denver, Colorado. And now, that seems really weird, right? Because people move to Denver to start churches because there's nobody there that knows Jesus is all that they know. And you're right. There's not a whole lot of people there that have a relationship with Jesus. But I'm telling you, God is moving in and throughout Denver. And I want you to know that there are also people behind us that want you to know that they say, hey, as well. And so here's the deal. When, when I talk to most people and we start talking about Colorado, most of them talk about their ski trips out there. There's tons of mountains, Steamboat, Breckenridge, Keystone, Winter Park, all these places that some of you may have been. And then they start talking about the hiking and all of that that goes on. There's uh, Amazon fulfillment centers. There's um, recreational legal activities that you can take part in. Yeah. So you've heard. Okay. I'm not alone in this. <clears throat> You're right. One of the first states to legalize marijuana. In fact... Little known fact about Denver, all of the great things that Denver is known for, skiing, hiking, uh, all the Amazon fulfillment centers, Google has a headquarters there. It's second only in technological aspects to Silicon Valley. So there's a ton of technology there. It's one of the fifth fastest, largest, um, fastest growing large cities in the US. There's more than a thousand people a month that are moving to Denver. It is a great place to live. And in the midst of that, there is one church for every 32,000 people. Now, I'm from Tennessee originally, from Memphis, and, and where I'm from, okay, we got some love over there. Somebody likes barbecue, there we go. And, uh, and so, just kidding. And so, one church in Memphis for every about 500 people. In the city I call home now, there's one church for every 32,000 people, okay? Do the math, not, not 32,000 seats in here, we'd have to have a lot of services, right? Now, on the flip side of that, there's one marijuana dispensary for every 11,813. 
Yeah, 11,000. Actually, in the city of Denver, there's more Starbucks and uh, there's more dispensaries than Starbucks and McDonald's combined, right? And so that's the city that I get to call, call home. There's three times the amount of dispensaries than there are churches. There are more breweries than there are churches and it's home. And I'm telling you what, I love Denver and God is moving in Denver thanks to people like you all here. I want you to know that. I genuinely mean that. It, if you don't know, there's about 4.2 million people in Denver and over 3.2 million of those are spiritually disconnected from Christ. So 87 to 92% of the people I come in contact with have no relationship with Jesus, many of which have never even been to church, right? But God is moving. Now we'll say this too, Denver is in the Western part of the United States. So Denver is one of the Western parts of the United States where 40% of the US's unchurched population lives in the Western part of the United States. In fact, if you just removed the Western part of the United States, it would be the fourth most lost country in the world behind China, India, and Indonesia. Just a quick flight from here, just in your backyard, right? And sometimes we don't think about those things when we're starting to go about our everyday lives. In fact, many of you, if you've ever been to Denver, if you flew before the year 2000, your wheels on your plane may have clipped where I live now in my home. Uh, we live in the community of Stapleton, where the Stapleton International Airport used to be before Denver moved it to where it currently is now. Our community is about 12 years old, roughly. Um, there are about 50,000 people that call home in Stapleton. 43% uh, of the people in Stapleton have a master's or doctorate level degree. The average age is 33. It's the wealthiest zip code in the state of Colorado. And yes, if you put young, affluent, uh, educated, and unchurched all together in Colorado, it's exactly what you're thinking it is right now. <laughs> but it's home to us. As a matter of fact, right now, as, as our church is getting ready to happen in about an hour, in Stapleton, of the 50,000 people, total collective of all the places that there are to worship in Stapleton, there'll be collectively about 500 people worshiping. So on a day-to-day -day basis, about 99% of the people that I come in contact with have no relationship with Jesus. And I love it. And I want you to know that I love it because God is moving. And I'm promising you, God is absolutely moving. And it's thankful in large part because of churches like Shandon who take Acts 1-8 seriously, right? If you know Acts 1-8, you've heard it probably a million times from George and others. Acts 1-8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem, right here, in all Judea and Samaria, the US, and to the end of the earth. When you take that seriously, like you do, Shandon, to live sent, God's moving in places like Denver, in places like Pittsburgh, God is moving in those areas. And I want you to know this, you are making a difference in Denver. And by the way, if you walked in and today's your first day at Shandon, I'm not George. He's much better looking and better than I am in, in every area, right? And, and I want you to know this though, you walked into a church that takes that Bible very seriously and takes missions and living sent very seriously. And you walked into a great church. So can you give it up just for Shandon right now? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know why you guys are such a great church? Because I think when great partner churches do something, you guys are partnering with us. You're going to be partnering with Billy and those others. Uh, when you partner and you partner well, you do three things consistently. One is praying. 
I don't know if you know this or not, but God will do some things whether or not we pray, but the Bible also shows us that God does move when we pray also, right? And so you guys are praying for God to move. I've had countless people come up to me and say, hey, you don't know my name, but I pray for you every single day. You guys are a praying church. Did you know that if you study any move of God in the book of Acts, it first started with prayer? It didn't start with some church planner moving to a city. It started with prayer. And so you guys are a praying church. I'm grateful for that. The second thing you are is a giving church. You're having your live sent offering. You give to people all over the world that are going and living their lives on mission. Um, Denver uh, is a very affluent area. Uh, dirt in our community, just dirt for like residential, I mean, not residential, uh, retail or commercial or anything like that is a million dollars an acre, okay? Homes are $294 a square foot. And so if you have a home and you're kind of mad about your cost of living right now, I promise you, I'll love to have a conversation with you. $294 a square foot. Did you know that to start a church in the city of Denver, it takes about a million and a half dollars over three to five years. And so without your faithfulness and your generosity going to church plants all over the world, they don't happen, but you're faithful there. And then the last thing is going. Man, you guys have sent a lot of teams and we've loved it. Kristen has sang for us for worship when we didn't have a worship leader, right? She did a great job, just like she did this morning. Uh, we've had, again, 21 people that are coming in just a couple of weeks. I'm telling you what, in, in a year of existence, we've seen about 42 people come to faith. And I'm guaranteeing you right now that many of those have interacted in some way, whether it be a door hanger, a block party, or something in one way or another from someone that's been a part of Shandon. I guarantee you their home has been covered in prayer by teams that have walked or whatever it may be. And I love the fact that you guys are a praying, giving and going church. You are making a difference. I just want you to know that and that how appreciated it is. But I also want you to know this. There are greater days ahead. Not, not only in Columbia, but in Denver and Pittsburgh and all over the world, there are greater days Ahead, We serve a big, big God. But I want you to know this. In order for us to see the greater days, we have to live on mission and live sent greater than we've ever lived. Right? We, we've got to be louder than the other voices that are competing in the communities that we compete in. Right? We've got to live on mission greater than we ever have and be louder about our faith in Jesus, louder than we ever have in order to see these greater days. And if you walk out of here with anything, I want you to know this. Living on mission is going to require you. It's going to mandate you. It's going to command you to kill your comfort. If you're gonna live on mission, you will have to kill your comfort. And I think we see one of the greatest pictures of that in the book of Acts in chapter 11 and starting in verse 19. And we'll read in just a second, but here's what happens in Acts. We see in the book of Acts, the message of Jesus taken from local to national to international. And today we, we're, we're beneficiaries of that, right? Because they began this movement of sharing the message of Jesus. Acts 11 actually shows the church in Antioch, right? And it shows how it begins to take shape and to form and how God moved in mighty ways there after these people left their Jerusalem. You see, Antioch was about 300 miles away from Jerusalem, which our six hour drive today would take about 15 days back then. So I don't know what kind of vehicle you have right now, but be thankful it wouldn't take you 15 days to get 300 miles, right? And so it took them 
15 days to go and they're leaving Jerusalem because of persecution. In fact, you can read about the beginning of the persecution, beginning in Acts 7 and 8 with Stephen and the persecution that forces followers of Jesus to leave the Jerusalem and to begin the work that God had called them to do. Because you know what? In the midst of despair, which I have more conversations today about doom and gloom world that we live in, but I don't serve a doom and gloom God and I don't live in his doom and gloom world. I serve a God that's got greater, greater, greater days ahead and has greater plans for us when we proactively live on mission and live sent for him. So would you mind doing something with me? Just stand with me real quick. Let's read Acts chapter 11. We're gonna be in verse 19 through 26, okay? And by the way, I, like you can talk back, right? Like if, you, if everybody's just quiet, I, I don't think I'm very good. And so it's okay to make noise in church for God, okay? Here we go. Acts, 9, Acts 11, verse 19, it says, now those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen, made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews. But there were some of them. Could you, could you say some of them? Come on, do better. Some of them. There were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. News about them reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. When he arrived, he saw the grace of God. He was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith and large numbers of people were added to the Lord. And then check this out. Then he went to Tarsus to search for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught large numbers. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Let me pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you that 2000 years later, we get to dive into a message of people that were living sent. Lord, they, they left and killed their comfort so that they could live on mission, so that we could hear your gospel message today here in Columbia, South Carolina at Shandon Baptist Church. God, I pray that you would speak to us through your word, that you would do the work that only you can do. We love you and we praise you and it's in your name. Amen. That's it. So here we have the, the writer of Acts, Luke is in here. He's, he's writing this down. And I think we see from his writing two truths to remember if we're going to live on mission by killing our comfort. And the first one is this, I'm going to get personal. Okay. So just don't, I, I leave tonight. So it's not a big deal. I send the email to David or someone else, but I'm going to get com and personal. Here's the first thing we're going to have to do to live on mission by killing our comfort. You're first going to have to kill your contentment. If you're going to live sent and if you're going to live on mission, you're going to have to kill your contentment. I, I think we would all agree if we pulled the room, we love the areas that we're comfortable and content in. I, I am one of the most boring people on the face of the earth. I was telling Donnie and Craig last night who hosted my son and I, um, I was telling them, I'm really boring. I, I really am. Every single day from about 4.45 to 8 a.m., I do almost the same thing every single day. Um, I wake up at 4.45, I walk downstairs to begin making coffee because if I don't make coffee before I pray, it's not going well. 
So I make coffee, begin with my Chemex. I'm bougie and I'm real, I'm just, I'm real bougie. So I've got a Chemex and it takes a while to boil the water, but I love the process. And then I start praying. And then because I'm turning 40 this year and I feel older than I've ever felt, I have to start stretching. And if you don't believe me, young people, you too will have to stretch one day. And it, you'll, you'll appreciate it afterwards, but I promise you, you'll stretch. People in the room that have to stretch, say amen. Yeah, see, I told you. And so I begin stretching and I pray and then I go downstairs to read and continue to pray. And, and then after a little bit, I begin to go upstairs. Um, my wife takes our two uh, middle kids, our two boys to school because she teaches at the school that we actually worship out of. And then I have my older son and our young daughter. I usually make a smoothie or eat a bar. Um, I'm like frozen strawberries, almond milk, a banana and a little protein almost every single day. And as I take the two kids to drop them off, I'm drinking that. I mean, rinse, spin, repeat, rinse, spin, repeat almost every single day. And you know why? I know what I can get out of it. I know what it's gonna bring. I'm very content in, in all of the outcomes from what it is I do on a daily, regular, rigid basis. And aren't we kind of the same way? We like what we're content in. We like hanging around those people that look like us. We like hanging around those people that think like us. We like hanging around those people that root for the same ball team, right? I, I can say this today because we lost, but I'm a University of Tennessee grad. So you can just, yeah, right? No, feel sorry for me. It's okay. I went to the football game this year too. I'm just sorry. I had to. I'm an alumni too. My wife is as well. But I, I'm, I'm looking at the game last night, right? I was outnumbered, but, but it's easier to talk about the Gamecocks if you're a Gamecock and it's easier to talk about the Vols if you're a Vol. How about the people that are in our same socioeconomic background? Or dare I even say it, what about those that vote like us? Way easier to have conversations with them because we're content in what we know that we're going to get. Now, let me ask you this. If we pick up the book of Acts and the book of Acts just stopped at verse 19 of chapter 11, what would we get? You see, here's, here's kind of a paraphrase of, chapter, of verse 19 in chapter 11. It basically says, some people spoke to those that were more like them than the others, right? They spoke to only the Jews. Now, what happens if we stop right there in their contentment to talk to people that are just like them? Man, we don't, we don't see God move the way he moves in the rest of the book of Acts and even here at Antioch, right? And Shandon, here's my fear. My fear is that we have far too many people that are sitting in their contentment than those that are willing to take a step out of it. We have far too many Christians, far too many followers of Jesus that are sitting in their contentment that are not afraid of stepping out of it. So for us to live on mission, we have to kill our contentment. And that's where my wife and I were back in 2016 before we left uh, Memphis and began the process of planting a church. I was a part of a church that's just like this one. Loved it, loved every bit of it. We had family that were there. We had friends that were there. I was content and comfortable in nearly every area of our life and God radically changed that and sent us to a place where people don't look like us, talk like us, vote like us, think like us, different socioeconomic backgrounds, you name it, it's different. But you know what we found in common with every single one of them? They too are made in the image of God. No different than you. They too were made in the image of God. And so God broke our hearts for people that 
we had not normally been engaging with, even in Memphis before we left there. You see, and we now as a church do things to engage people that are not like us. And in order to do that, pause with me just a minute. One of the things that we do four times a year is not have church service on Sunday. And we actually go and be the church. We do something called Love Denver, where we take all of our people and we go out and serve the city. And do you know that we have more people on those Sundays than we do some Sundays where we have church service? And most of them are people that are disconnected from a relationship with Jesus. You know why? They'll go and serve. And they look at us and say, you're giving up your most important day to go and serve people that aren't like you? Believe me. I'm really content having a worship service on Sunday morning and it's really uncomfortable not. One fun aspect is back in September, we had a fifth Sunday and we had a Love Denver project and this guy was a part of it. We packed meals for kids in Denver. 67% of kids uh, struggle with hunger in Denver. And so we decided to pack some meals to give to schools and families. And so we do this and this guy comes because he hears about it and he walks up to me afterwards. Now, we had a fun time doing it. Kids are serving, packing. We had a DJ at the place, you know, and all this kind of stuff where we're packing these meals, having fun, getting ready to go out. And the guy comes up to me afterwards. He says, hey man, you the guy in charge? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Depends on what you're asking, right? By the way, people don't say, are you the pastor? Because nobody knows even what that really means in Denver. And so he says, you in charge? Yes, I am. He goes, I don't do the church thing. Never really have, don't care for it. But I like the vibe you guys are putting off. It's like, all right, I could take that. He gets connected immediately that day, actually to one of your own here, Rebecca Hugh. They get connected with our young adults. They go to lunch with the other group. He goes to the connect group that Monday night, misses church the next weekend, comes the following week. He gives his life to Jesus. I got to last week at our year anniversary, I got to baptize him where he let everybody know that he said yes to Jesus. And that has nothing to do with me or journey point. That has everything to do with us saying, you know what? I need to kill some contentment here so that I can live on mission the best way that I can. We have countless stories of that. In order for us to live on mission, we have to kill our contentment. And that's exactly what we see in Antioch. Praise God. See, instead of staying in their comfort zone and speaking only to the Jews who were more like-minded with them than others, look at what happened in the next verse, verse 20. It says this, it says, but there were some of them, again, say some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. (gasps) They began speaking to people that weren't like them. How dare them? But here's what's amazing. These followers of Jesus in this area where they don't know people and people are a lot different than them, they decided to kill their contentment and talk to those not like them so that those people can come to know Jesus. And check this out. Look at the list of names that are there. I mean, these are stalwarts in the, no, no, it just says some of them. We don't have a list of names. Shannon, let me tell you this right now. If you're sitting here today and you think I'm just a nobody that can't do anything in the kingdom of God, Read that again. If you're sitting here today and saying that you, how can God use me? Nobody knows who I am. I can't do any of this. I'm just telling you right now, there are a bunch of no-name Christians that are listed in the book of Acts that did a mighty work for the kingdom of God. And so if you're sitting here at all questioning who it is you are and what you can do, I'm telling you right now, this tells me you can make a deep impact in the kingdom of God by living on mission, which brings me to the second point. 
in order for us really to, to live on mission by killing our comfort, it's not just killing the contentment, but we've also got to kill our pride. I told you I was getting personal. Now, these aren't the names of people we're accustomed to in the book of Acts, right? We don't see before this verse, Paul, Barnabas, Timothy, Luke, Peter, Stephen, or others doing this great work. We have some of them, men from Cyprus, men from Cyrene. These are common, ordinary, regular people willing to kill their contentment and swallow their pride to make much of who Jesus is. Man, and don't you know that some of them in today's world would have like a killer Instagram feed, right? I mean, it would just be at some of them, right? I mean, their blog would be outrageous. TikTok would be hilarious. I mean, you name it, some of them would be known, right? Don't look at me like that. You would do it too. Some of them would have their own private Facebook group, public face group, you name it, they would be known for what they're doing for the Lord. And look, I'm guilty. Everybody wants credit, right? We want credit where credit is due. Do I do this? And how much credit do I get for doing this? You know, using God's gift that only he's given me strategically to use for his mission, give me credit. <laughs> That's the world that we live in. But seriously, follow me on Instagram. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and look what these, some of them just did. In verse 21, it says this. It says, the Lord's hand was with them. And a large number who believed turned to the Lord. It says, news about them reached Jerusalem and they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch to see what was going on. Like these guys were so legit. Barnabas had to be like, oh, ain't happening. Let me go check this out, right? Because they didn't have Instagram back then. He had to actually go do it in person, which I know is weird for certain generations. And, and so he had to go and see this. And listen, I feel the same way. When your teams come out to Denver, I, I just feel like, man, I don't know what's happening. In spite of me, God's doing a great work. We have had services for just about a year in what is considered the second hardest place in all of Colorado to plant a church. It's known as a graveyard for church planting. There have been nearly 90% of church plants that have come in this community have failed. There's only one other one that is still standing and it just moved downtown. And, and, and so most of the churches that come in this area fail, but by God's grace, in a year, we've seen about 42 people come to faith. We've baptized about half of them. We have 10 intentional disciple-making groups. We have 80 to 100 people involved in what we call our connect group environments. We have eight people that are on a multiplication pipeline that they wanna learn more about what it takes to live their life on mission a little bit more in church planting. We have three interns, including one of your own, that are raising their own money and doing their own thing just to live sent so that God's name can be made known in Stapleton. And that is where he gets all the credit and honor and glory. God is moving. And, and you know what? The most painful thing about any of that is right now in about 30 minutes, the church is still going to happen without me. <clears throat> right? Like they can still have church on Sunday morning without, you want to talk about swallowing, killing your pride. Like it's still going to happen this morning. As a matter of fact, the guy I told you a story about earlier that came to faith through our Love Denver, I wasn't there when he came to faith. It was another pastor. <clears throat> Give me some cred. No, that's the most joyful thing I can tell you right now is that the church is still happening without me there. You know why? 
there are a bunch of some of them that decided to live their life on mission by killing their contentment and swallowing their pride so that Jesus' name could be made known in Stapleton, Denver. Church planters get all the pub and pictures and all that kind of stuff, and I hate it. I know it needs to happen, but you know how many some of them are in our church that we wouldn't exist if it wasn't without them? You know how many some of them are here at Shandon that this church wouldn't be what it is today without the some of them? But we've got to live on mission by killing the comfort in that area. And look, look what Barnabas saw when he arrived. I love this. Verse 23 says this. It says, when he arrived, here's what happened, and saw the grace of God. He was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Barnabas tangibly saw the grace of God. Man. Then he encourages him. He says, hey, continue to kill your contentment and kill your pride. Live on mission. Do this. You've got it. And large numbers were added. But here's what I love too. Look at verse 25. It says, then he went to Tarsus to search for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church and taught in large numbers. They were first called Christians at Antioch. Here's what I love. Saul, whose name is later to be changed and known as Paul, right? is on the back end of what happens in Antioch. Like greatest church planter ever known, plants 14 churches in 13 years, covers 7,000 miles to do so. It's like, oh, I missed the first big deal. And, and don't you know that like Paul, like he had to swallow some pride, right? I mean, Paul's one of those guys who could walk up and be like, hey man, let's get to Antioch. Don't forget, I saw Jesus, talked to him. Great things ahead, he told me. Can't wait. Got a blog, got an Instagram, tons of followers. Let's do this thing. Then he gets to Antioch. And he's like, man, the thing's already been done without me. And so you know what he does? He packs up and he moves on to the next place. Wrong. Paul kills his pride. Ends up staying there for a whole year, discipling people that he had no part in them coming to know who Jesus was. He killed his contentment. He killed his pride so that he can live on mission and make Jesus's name known in any way that he possibly could. Shandon, if you are here today and you want to live on mission, you want to live sent, I wholeheartedly believe that you're gonna to have to do two things. You are going to kill the comfort and contentment in your life. And you are going to have to kill the pride that is going to arise. And listen, both of those things aren't going away. They're gonna come up every time. You're gonna be more inclined to fall into those people that are like you. You're gonna be more inclined to want to get credit for whatever it is that God is doing over and over and over again. This is a daily take up your cross and follow me type of deal to kill our contentment and kill our pride so that we can live sent to make Jesus's name known. But you know what I love about this? Man, I'm, I'm all for Denver. I'm all for Pittsburgh. I'm all for Send North American Missionary Cities. I'm all for Gen Send. And I'm all for doing those things. But you know what's not going to happen? None of that is going to happen in your life if you don't first do it here in Columbia, South Carolina. 
I don't care what mission trip you go on. I don't care where God's calling you to. None of it is going to be as impactful as it can be unless you start living on mission here in Columbia, South Carolina. And you know what's awesome? You don't have to go to the world to be talking to the world. I went to the game last night and I looked around and I looked at the Jumbotron. The world is in Columbia. You don't have to go to the world to tell the world about who Jesus is. You could tell the world about who Jesus is right here in Columbia. For those of you that have neighbors, it begins nowhere else than with your neighbor. Do you know that Acts 17, 26 and 27 says this? It says that for God has designed the place where we live, or you can use that in your workspace. He's designed those areas, not for you, but so that the people around you can come to know who he is. And so if we are not first doing it here in our neighborhoods and in our dorm rooms and in our communities, we're never gonna do it across the world. Let me give you a picture of my street real quick. My street is a a road homes on the far end is a couple with a one-year-old kid, love them to death. Wife is Muslim, husband's never been to church. Next to them are some of our really best friends. It's a Mormon family from Utah. Next to them is a recovering Mormon into no religion, married to someone that is uh, not practicing in any religion. Then you have us. Then right next to us is a young, uh, two young sisters that live together that have never been to church a day in their life, living next door to a nominal Jew that's married to an atheist. You think I gotta go to the city of Denver to share the gospel with people? Here's your first step. Don't assume anything about your neighbors or those people around you. Begin having a faith-based conversation with them and you can kill your contentment and kill your pride right away. And, and living on mission by killing contentment and killing pride, I don't, this is great in Acts 11, but I don't think there's any better picture of it than the man, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, sitting at the right hand of God would probably be pretty comfortable. <laughs> I mean, like if you got a message today, it's like, hey, Chris, would you like to be content and sit at the right hand of God today? Sign me up, right? I'm with Jesus. I'm with God. But you know what Jesus did? Left it. You know what else he did? Son of God, God, man, swallowed his pride to live and feel and breathe and walk like you and I. He killed contentment and killed pride. You know why? So that all of us that live outside of the way that God designed us to live could have a right relationship back with God. He goes, he has some disciples that he invests his life in and says, make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Kill contentment, kill pride and invest in them, invest in them. He's murdered, he's buried, he's risen. So that today in 2020 on February 16th, that if any of you and I said, you know what? I needed you to take my place. I needed you to swallow your contentment and pride so that I could have a right relationship with God. He did that for every single one of us in here and he would have done it just for one of us. And so today there's two things, Shandon, that we have to really, really dive into. One, maybe you just needed a reminder that God is who he says he is and he wants us to live on mission. 
not by doing anything more than our own backyard, right? I know David and George are helping host a, 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 a conference in a couple of weeks that deals with uh, African and Middle Eastern missionaries along with the IMB that are, it teaches them to how to invest in them in your own communities, right? Be engaged and involved with that. Or maybe you just need to talk to your neighbor in a different way than you ever have. Because God's designed that neighbor to live right next to you so that they can come to know him. And then today, maybe you walked in and you had no idea what you signed up for. <laughs> maybe a friend invited you and you're like, this is the message. All, dude is all up in my personal space right now, man. Today, it takes a lot of confidence and boldness to allow God to really work in our hearts the way God wants to. And maybe today for the very first time, you say, you know what? I do believe that Jesus died and was buried and was raised again so that I could have a right relationship with God, so that I could have the ultimate hope and peace and joy that I've been searching for, so that I could have the contentment and having the relationship with him instead of worrying about the world and people around me. And so if you don't mind, I wanna just close by praying before we sing a song and, and have uh, another uh, missionary uh, update. I just wanna close by praying. So if you just bow your heads with me. Father, thank you. Thank you that you call us to something greater than we can ever think we've been called to. Thank you that no named some of them swallowed and killed their contentment and pride to live on mission in a great way so that here today we could do the same. God, I pray that Shandon Baptist Church would be on fire for living sin. I pray that they would have more missionaries come to this church than anybody's ever seen. I pray that they would have more local involvement in missionaries at this church than anybody has ever seen. God, I pray that they would be the name in and throughout this region and this area and even this, this state, God, for doing a work that is greater than they thought they could do. Lord, I pray that the latter days are greater than the former days at Shandon. Lord, I pray that you would move in a mighty way that revival would be here in a way that they've never experienced. And it would start today with people living sent. God, I thank you for a church that loves church planters in places that they're not in. I thank you for a church that supports church planters all across the country. God, I pray that you would raise up more church planters sitting here today to take it from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. God, and I pray today that anybody that had a confidence and boldness to say yes to you today, God, that you would work in their hearts, that they would say yes to needing you, that they would say yes to your death, your burial, and your resurrection. God, and that they would say yes to placing you as Lord of their life. Father, do the work that only you could do and don't do it for Shandon, don't do it for Journey Point, Denver, or Columbia, do it for the name of Jesus. For it's in his name that we ask all of this. Amen.